The Baseball by the Yard podcast, episode number nine. Advice I gave to a high school baseball team. Hey folks, listen up. Baseball has a problem. On the positive side, new technology allows players and coaches to see, measure, and collect data on just about anything we want. But ask anybody who has been around the game for a while, and they will tell you that something is missing. What I think is missing are the finer points of the game. Field awareness, the mental side, the approach, the ability to know when and how to make adjustments, baseball IQ, and the ability to think for yourself on the baseball field. Those things you can't measure, but if players don't have those skills, their days in the game of baseball are numbered. Do you agree? If so, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Baseball by the Yard podcast, the podcast dedicated to teaching all those finer points of the game to players and coaches. I'm Coach Bob McCreary, former professional player and coach. Let's start the show, and let's start changing how we teach the game. Okay, everybody, welcome. Welcome to the Baseball by the Yard podcast. If this is your first time, thanks so much for stopping by. I know there's a lot of options out there. And I'm honored that you chose to uh, listen to me. So I hope you find it valuable. Uh, if you are uh, a listener, then uh, it's been a little while since I've come out with a new podcast. So nothing really the matter. Just uh, busy on my end and wasn't able to get to uh, normal recording. So I'm glad you guys are here, whether it's your first time or whether you have been a longtime reader of Baseball by the Yard and now a consistent listener of the podcast as well. So thanks for stopping by. Uh, before we get into today's podcast, I just wanted to thank all those people who uh, purchased my latest book. I came out with a book. It's an ebook uh, called Defensive Positioning in Baseball. And what I wanted to do is uh, pretty much show visually and in writing uh, pretty much every situation that could occur during the game of a base during the game of baseball, and explain where everybody on the field needs to go. Uh, every at every level that I've coached, I always preached the three B's on defense. Meaning, on every play, uh, there are going to be three places that every player on the field needs to go. They're either going to go to the ball, they're either going to go to a base, or they're going to back up. There is no standing still during any play in baseball. And so the whole book is really designed to show players at all levels where everybody on the field based on their position needs to be on pretty much every single play, whether it's play to first, whether it's a, a line drive and a gap, whether it's a play at third base, play at home, uh, balls back to the uh, screen, wild pitches and so forth, rundowns. Uh, that is all covered in my books, about 90 pages or so. So I go through a lot of situations and then I also have a bunch of other material that I uh, explain to fielders uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So thank you so much for anybody who uh, purchased that. Uh, I hope you are finding it useful. I got some good feedback on that. Uh, if you would like to uh, get a copy of that or at least look at a sample of the book, you could go to baseballbytheyard.com. And at the menu bar up top, if you click on store, that will take you to all the ebooks that I have. And if you scroll down and find that particular book called Defensive Positioning in Baseball, uh, you can see what that's all about. And I think in that uh, link as well, I give a sample of the book for you to see, table contents and so forth. Now, you also notice that uh, there is no cost associated with that book, uh, with one minor exception. Uh, the company that I use as kind of my commerce for my website um, 
makes me charge at least a dollar. That's because of the fee that I need to pay. Uh, but pretty much anything above a dollar is fair game. So what I've told people is you could think of it as uh, paying whatever you think the book is worth to you. Um, but you could also think about it as a donation to Baseball by the Yard. And then when you donate, you get a free book. So however you want to look at it, that would be fine with me. I appreciate anything people would do. But my main goal is to get this content out there uh, because I think there has never been a, more of a need uh, to explain the defensive side of the game. So much focus is on hitting home runs, uh, throwing 90 miles an hour. But as I said in the introduction to this podcast, uh, there's a lot more going on in the game uh, that a lot of people realize. And unfortunately, a lot of kids are not getting that basic instruction. Okay, so if you want that, just go to my website, take a look at that. And thank you in advance. Okay, today's podcast uh, actually involves a talk that I did about a month ago. Uh, I was honored. I was asked to uh, speak to a local high school team during their first dinner. Uh, every year they have kind of a first dinner. Uh, you know, some some teams would have like a kind of a formal banquet style thing, and they try to bring in some guest speakers to, as a way to kind of uh, jump off into the season on a good note and uh, and so forth. So that's kind of what it was. Um, it was at uh, the high school uh, where I did this. And people in attendance were, a lot of the high school players were there. There was actually a Little League team that was honored because they had made it to the Little League World Series uh, in Williamsport last summer. So they were honored. Uh, a lot of the players, parents, and so forth, people associated with the program were there. And so I was honored to be able to speak. Now, interesting, uh, prior to me speaking, uh, Major League Manager Dusty Baker spoke. Uh, he was not in attendance, but he was zoomed in uh, by video and was able to talk to the team and so forth. And that was that was really cool. Um, I, I never uh, crossed paths with Dusty Baker in my career, but I did have several people that I knew, I was pretty close friends with, who had him either as a manager or as a coach in their professional days. And I tell you, everybody that I've ever met that has known him has raved. Uh, about Dusty Baker. So I'm glad to see he's back in the game with the Astros. And uh, he really had a lot of great things to say to that high school team. And uh, that was that was neat to see. All right. So uh, when I come back, uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about is one of the concepts that I, um, I, I put forth to that high school first dinner. Um, it's actually a concept that I teach in sociology. Uh, my day job is I'm a high school teacher. One of the courses that I teach is sociology, and one of the topics we cover is deviance. And so I kind of brought that concept in, and so when I come back, I'll talk about what that is and then what that meant for baseball players. Okay, I'll see you on the back end. Okay, so the concept is deviance. Okay, so let me talk about deviance in general, and then I will explain how I uh, gave that as some advice to the high school baseball team. Okay, so deviance is basically a general concept that means in every situation, there are going to be norms that apply. Now, a norm is an expectation for behavior. Okay, so we know in different situations, uh, we know kind of what, how we are expected to behave. So if a student is walking in school, there's an expectation that they stay to the right 
on the hallway or as they're walking upstairs. When they're in the classroom, they're expected to sit down, raise their hand, and so forth. And so in every social situation, we have a number of behaviors that are expected of us. Now, when a person does not follow the, the quote, correct behaviors, then they are being deviant. Now, most people, when they think of the word deviance, they think of bad behavior behavior that's going to get them in trouble, maybe arrested or in school case, maybe detention or something something like that. And yeah, that that is certainly the most popular form of deviance, but people often forget that there's a very positive side to deviance. So for example, uh, any successful business is going to be deviant in some way. So I think right now, I haven't seen the numbers lately, but I think right now Apple uh, Apple Computers is either still the most wealthy, wealthiest country or company in the world, or they are right up there. I'm not sure. For a long time, they were the wealthiest company in the world. Now, the reason why is because they have been an extremely deviant uh, company. Uh, they have not acted like everybody else. They basically have not followed the rules when it comes to making electronics and computers. So, uh, I went to high school in the 80s, so I remember there, and if you're of my age, you'll know what I'm going to talk about here. Of course, at at one point, uh, cassette players were all the rage. So you had uh, kind of Sony came out with a Sony cassette player, Sony Walkman, and they were all the rage. Okay, so all the various electronic companies fought to see who was going to try to outdo Sony and make a better cassette player with better bells and whistles and stronger if you dropped it, it wouldn't break and different buttons and so forth. And so everybody was at that game. And then, of course, uh, CD players came along. And then, of course, Sony came out with the disc player. And so, once again, all the electronic companies went out and tried to outdo Sony. And they all came out with their version of a disc player. Some were smaller, some wouldn't skip as much. Uh, if you drop some of them, they, they claimed to be tougher. They had different buttons and colors and so forth. And so all the electronic companies were trying to outdo one another and create a better uh, disc man or disc player. Now, this is when Apple became really at its started to get to its height because Apple at that time didn't want to play that game. They did not want to follow the lead that all the other electronic companies uh, followed in trying to make a better CD player. What Apple did is they came out with the iPod, the ability to download music so you did not even need a cassette or a disc in order to listen to music. Now, they revolutionized the way we listen to music. Uh, they did not follow the lead of all the other electronic companies and see how can we make a better disc player. They said, no, everybody is going left. We are going to go right. We are going to be deviant. And of course, they made a fortune because of their uh, iPod. Now, they did the same thing uh, with phones, okay? All the phones like Motorola and Toshiba or what other phone companies or phone uh, manufacturers were. Uh, at one point, cell phones came out, and of course, all the other companies that were making cell phones tried to make a better cell phone. They were making them smaller and smaller, uh, and then one camera company came out and said, well, we, we, we have a cell phone that can uh, take pictures and so forth. And once again, all these electronic companies are trying to outdo one another to try to make a better cell phone. And Apple said, nope, we're not doing that. We're not going in that direction. We're not going to get in that game. We are going to change the game, and we're going to be deviant. We're going to be different. We're not going to follow that uh, rule. And so they created the iPhone, the smartphone, and overnight totally changed the game. 
So Apple has had a history of not following the rules, so to speak, and being extremely deviant in a positive way. And so any great business and successful business or successful business person at some point in their career deviated from what everyone else was doing, and it ended up paying off big time. Okay, so we could go through Microsoft and Bill Gates and all the various companies that have done that, but you get the idea. Deviance is just not following the norms. And like I said, most people think of it as a negative way, but there is a very positive way to look at deviance as well. All right, so when I come back, I'm going to explain why I gave that concept and how I addressed it and connected that with success in baseball. Okay, so what in the world does deviance have to do with baseball? So here's what I here's what I explained to the team and the parents, everybody at that uh, meeting. I told them that, uh, like they probably did, the beginning of every year when I was a high school coach, I would very often have a team meeting and sit players down, and we kind of go over things for the season, some of the rules and and uh, expectations and so forth. And then I often would let the players talk, and they would try to come up with some goals for the season. And typically the goals were we wanted to you know win the league title. Um, that was pretty much a goal every single year. And then uh, from there, uh, the district title came next and wanted to be able to put themselves in a position where they had a chance to win a district title. Uh, if they weren't able to win a district title, then they wanted to at least come in the top five of the district, and that would enable you to move on to the state tournament. And then hopefully uh, get lucky, start playing well, and put ourselves in a position where we could win a state championship for Pennsylvania. Now, thankfully, we were able to do that in 2009. Um, the high school where I taught, we, we did actually win a, a, a state championship uh, that year. So everything fell into place. But pretty much every year that I coached, we would have that meeting and very often, you know, win a league title, win a district title, and possibly win a state title. That was typically the goals that all the players basically had. And so when they got done talking about that, I basically then gave them the same speech when it came to deviance that I gave to this particular high school team about a month ago. I basically said that most teams in a league, in a district or in a state, obviously don't end up in first place. Uh, they pretty much end up in the middle of the pack. Uh, there's only one team that comes in first place and only maybe a few teams that put themselves in a position to come in first place. And I basically told the players, uh, like I told uh, my own players, is that to be the best, you can't be like everybody else. That if you think like everybody else, if you practice like everybody else, then you're going to end up like everybody else, which is pretty much middle of the pack. So if you do want to become in first place, if you do want to become an elite baseball player, you have to be deviant. But you have to be deviant in a positive way not deviant where you're acting like a clown and getting suspended and thrown off a team and so forth. Talking about your team culture has to be different. When all the teams are going left, you have to go right. Very much like my example with Apple computers. If you try to follow other teams' leads, you're going to end up pretty much like most other teams, which is middle of the pack. So po the positive side to deviance is a very important concept with any team that wants to be elite or any player that wants to be elite. You have to start with that mindset that you cannot act, you cannot think, you cannot practice 
like everybody else. Now, that doesn't mean that if the other team practices for two hours, you have to practice for five hours, okay? That's not what I basically mean, but you have to, you have to look for ways to be different, uh, which is hard to do, and I'll give you some examples of that uh, in, in a little bit. Now, um, for example, um, starting with the concept of, you know, how are you going to be different than other teams or uh, other players? So um, it comes down to if you if if everybody has a two hour practice on a given day, how are you going to organize those two hours? Um, are you going to do it like most teams or are you going to practice differently? And obviously, I'm not just talking to players here. I'm talking to coaches who are listening as well. Uh, you have to give this a lot of thought. And how you practice is obviously going to play a large role in how you finish. And if you find yourself practicing like most teams, then you need to stop. Otherwise, you're going to end up like most teams. Now, one of the problems that teenagers face, of course, is peer pressure. And this was the other message that I gave to the team about a month ago. Um, your friends typically are going to give you a lot of heat if you break away and start to be different than them. So let me, let me give an example. And I think this was an example that I gave to the players who were at that meeting. So let's say it's a spring, you're a senior, and let's say you're a prospect and you have a chance of playing at the college level. And maybe there's some scouts starting to show up at your games, whether it's college scouts or professional scouts. And your friends who maybe don't play sports or maybe not a prospect, they're at school and various temptations start to sneak in, especially second semester uh, of the school year. The weather is getting nice. You start, if you're a senior, you start to get a lot of senior events, which are fun. And you got a lot of distractions sometimes. So you, let's say you have a, a group of friends who say, you know what, let's just, let's just not go to school today. Let's just skip school. It's a nice, beautiful day. Let's take a trip to the beach or something like that. Now, you may be very tempted to do that, but of course, you have a game that day or you have practice that day, or you have a game the next day, and you realize that if I got caught skipping school, then it may hurt my ability to play baseball. So the, one of the questions I ask to the team is, how are you going to handle that? Because your friends may give you a little bit of heat, whether it's to skip a class or skip a school. And yeah, most kids of that age who are tempted may fall to that temptation. But a player has to realize that you have a very small window of opportunity to play a sport. A lot of your friends, uh, if they are not athletes, let's say they want to be a lawyer someday. Well, there are people who wake up at age 40 or 50 years old and decide, you know what, today's the day I'm, I'm going to start on my dream to become a lawyer. And they can do it. It could be hard, but you obviously can do it. But nobody wakes up at age 40 or 30 and says, you know what, I think I want to be a college baseball player. It just doesn't work that way. You have a very small window of opportunity. So not only as a player or a coach do you need to uh, be very deviant with the way you're organizing practices and your mindset and so forth, but dealing with your friends and people that are around you you very often can't do the things that they do if you want to be an elite player, especially as a player, because again, you have only a small window of opportunity to be an athlete. Um, not so with most other occupations, uh, teachers, lawyers, accountants, plumbers. You can start that anytime you want. It might be hard, but you can start it anytime you want, but that's just not the case in the way sports work. Now, 
in class when I talk about this, I give another analogy. And I ask the class, how many of you have ever been to the beach or the back bays down the shore and have gone crabbing? Okay, and a lot of hands go up because I'm pretty close to the beach where we are, so it's a pretty popular thing that kids do. And then I ask them, I say, you know, when you catch those crabs and you put them in a bucket or a bushel or something like that, let's say you have 10 to 15 crabs in there. So ultimately, there's at least one crab that starts to climb up and tries to get out of the bucket. And I asked the class, I said, what, what do the other crabs do? Like, do they kind of cheer the, cheer the crab on and help them up and push them out over the top? And of course, the answer is no. What the crabs do, unfortunately, is they grab onto the crab that's trying to get out of the bucket, and they try to pull the crab back down. And I tell the students and my players as well when I give this analogy, is that unfortunately, that's how a lot of your friends are going to be. When you reach up and you say, no, I want to be different. I want to get out, okay? I have that small window of opportunity, and I can't do the things that normal teenagers can do because I have that only that small window of opportunity. I have to care. I have to pay attention. I can't. I really have to toe the line to make sure I can be that elite player. But when you do that, your friends, maybe even some family members, are going to act like those crabs, and they're going to start to pull you in to where they are. And that is a very tough thing for a lot of young people to deal with. It's tough for a team. It's also tough for individual elite players because you will get a lot of pressure from external people who even are your friends, maybe even your family, like I said, who will try to pull you back so that you can follow the norms that they follow. But again, following the norms of most people is not being deviant. And if you want to be an elite team or elite player, you can't act like everybody else. Now, that seems easy until you start to get that peer pressure from your friends who are trying to get you to act like them. Now, if you look at successful people in general, whether it's a Bill Gates or someone else out there that you look at the business world and see is very successful, very often when you look into their background and you kind of take a look at you know how they went about school and so forth, at some point uh, in their career, in just about every single case, they deviated from the norm. They got to a point where most people went left and they went right. They took a chance, they took a risk, and they stopped acting like everybody else, and they paid off. Um, whether it's Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or whoever you want to mention, doesn't even have to be a multimillionaire like that. Most successful people at some point stopped acting like someone else and followed their dream. So that was the message, one of the messages that I gave that team when I gave that speak about the concept of positive deviance and that if you want to be great as a team or if you want to be great as an individual, you have to stop acting like everybody else. Seems easy to do, but in reality, you're going to get a lot of pressure for doing that. But keep understanding that you only have a small window of opportunity, whether it's to win a championship, you only have a couple months to do that. You don't have forever. If it's an elite player trying to get to the college level or the professional level, you only have a very small window of opportunity, and you must take advantage of that opportunity. But that's going to come with some heat from players, from peers, from families, and that can be difficult. Okay, so when I come back, we will wrap things up for today's podcast. I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody, before you leave, if you like the show, you can be a big help when it comes to spreading the word. First, check out BaseballByTheYard.com. Be sure to subscribe and take what I call the five-post challenge. 
Read any five of my blog posts, and I think you'll find that there's no baseball instructional website like it online. Second, check out the over 200 videos I've posted on YouTube for players and coaches. While you're there, subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so that you're notified every time I post a new video. And lastly, like, comment, and leave a review on all these platforms to help other people get this information too. I'm Coach Bob McCreary. Thank you so much for your time and best of luck on your baseball journey.